McFarland. 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 All right. Thanks to the fine folks at McFarland who power this podcast, the Bradfoe Show. That's Coop. I'm Rob. Bradfoe, Bradford. And we had a ton of baseball. And Coop was there at Fenway Park. Soaking, it was a marathon, a couple days. Soaking it all in. He was making his presence felt at Fenway Park. In the dugout, on the field, in the last row of the bleachers. Almost tripping over Shohei Otani. Oh, yeah. Bumping into Shohei Otani and his massive traps. You know, so um, you you had quite a few days. So give me, um, as as sort of like the guy who is, is being introduced to the behind the scenes, like the media, the, the player access and everything else. Before we get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast, which is our sit down with Nathan Avaldi, give me your power ranking of the being uh, like if you had to do like three things. Like, so you've been in Fenway for a couple of days now, three, uh, three, three days now, three days now so with the press pass in hand. So um, you've been doing a fine job, getting to know I a lot of people, that. get a lot of great content. You and Nate was there as well. I got Nate. And so uh, give me like, give me three observations. Three observations. Do you want like from any point of the whole media background? Yeah. Any, anything, anything at all. My God, does the day start early? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So to give you an idea. Um, so let's see, we're, we're, we're taping this on, we're putting the Thursday. Uh, we're putting this punctuation on this podcast on Thursday Yep. So uh, on Wednesday, I we get to the park, and we get to the park about three o'clock. Three o'clock. Yeah, there. three o'clock. Yeah. So we go on the field. Um, I'm, I'm losing track now. So <laughs> I don't. So we're. This so, was more of me refreshing you. Well, so the clubhouse opens at three o'clock, and then we go to uh, Cora's at four. But we skipped Cora because we knew they were going to get Avaldi coming off the field. Uh, he had gone out to throw. It was going to come off the field. So that was a four-ish, 4.15-ish. Um, so, and then, you know, we're running around and, and doing the thing and doing the uh, whatever baseballs and boring, talking about the fine folks there, talking to different people. And, well, and I guess one of the different people, hold up. Yeah. Different people, Dabo Sweetie. Dab- yeah, got Dabo That's just not different people. Like less than an hour, which is was again like he just happened to have a baseballs and boring T-shirt with him. So he said, "Will you take my picture?" I said, "Of course, of, of course. course I will." Uh, great guy, great guy to talk to. And in that's the one of the great things about this is that you know I I always get a kick out of talking to people who aren't there all the time that are obviously like noteworthy people in other realms. So uh, and Dabo Sweeney would certainly fall into that, but. Then you go through the game, and the game Wednesday was going to end at like nine thirty. It was going to be like a two and a half hour game. We know what happened; it was a disaster. Yada yada yada. I go to sleep at two o'clock, wake up, you know. We, then we come back to the park. Uh, we do the whole thing. Day game. Clubhouse opens at ten o'clock. Quarters at eleven. So um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Anyway, that's the schedule. That's the schedule. So give me give me your observations. What's going? Come on. I mean, once, once, once again, once again, Nathan Avaldi is on this podcast and we're going to chase it with for people, geeks like Coop, like me, who say, 
I'm really curious about how Michael Walker throws one of the best pitches in the American League, which is his changeup. I'm really curious about how that came to be. Well, we're going to give you that after the Evaldi interview. But okay, go ahead. Observation. So one, one kind of ties into this is just like my day was long. Those players have even longer days. And I think that's something a lot of people forget because you grow up playing baseball maybe and you know, you get your five, 5 p.m. game after school. You get ready at like 3.30, get your uniform on. You drive down to the field with mom and dad, and you just you do your little I.O., and you get the game going. Mm-hmm. Professional baseball is a different beast because it's professionalized. Like, we're down there at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, waiting for Evaldi. Evaldi's showing up at the field probably long before us. He's out on the field before us, stretching, throwing, getting his long toss in, and this is all during an off day for him. So... A lot of people forget that so much work goes into, you know, what these players do. And it's good to remember that when, A, they do well, give them their flowers. Ivaldi been pitching lights out. He, he might be the ace. I don't know if you would toss that term around for anyone on this team right now, but if you're going to give it to someone, it might be Ivaldi or, or Ivaldi, as I'm supposed to say it. Ivaldi. Uh, Ivaldi. But even when players do poorly, it, like there's so much effort that does go into it. So when you hear someone say, do they even care? Do they even want to be here? I mean, of course they want to be there. If they didn't want to be there, they'd be, you know, slinging burgers. Well, you know, and, and Matt Barnes later that night was a perfect example of that where, you know, he's going through all this stuff and then he blows up and, you know, has to answer the questions. And it's not like he's sitting around and just pitching, you know, and then failing. No, I mean, he's, as you said, that he's out in the field, trying to figure it out, all the build up to it, and then boom, it doesn't work out. Anyway, so yes, they work hard. Yes, they get paid a lot of money. Good for them. What else you got? What else do I got? Press room is pretty nice. Oh, really? You like the press room? I do like the press. Well, this is the only press room I know. I I know that, you know, there are different press rooms for different stadiums that they might do more or less for their their esteemed journalists. Um, but yeah, it's a nice little, nice little setup back there. And when I, when I go and I cut up the audio and the visuals for this podcast. Yeah. So that, so, so I, I think I told you this, but that room that you were setting up in the back of the press box was, wasn't there before 2007. And the reason why you did tell me this. Yeah. So the the, the reason it's there was because of a person who was basically in that room, which was Daisuke Matsuzaka. Daisuke was milling about the press box all all the entire angel series for obvious reasons number one he bizarrely lives 15 minutes from fenway park in brookline and then second of all he uh you know he's obviously there for shohei atani so um they had to make this room because there were so many media members from japan when daisuke pitched for the red sox so they had to expand hence the room that you've been doing all your fine work Yep, and that kind of brings me to my third point is the media presence for Shohei Otani. Mm. And I had tweeted this out, and it blew up in Shohei Otani Twitter. I guess there's a huge collection of Shohei Otani like stands, uh, which he deserves, but um, insane amount. So I had I had gone to the Blue Jays series, and I'd been credentialed for that. And you know, you got Vladdy, you got Boba Shett, uh, sponsor not sponsored, but friend of the baseballs and broke. Yeah. Uh, boring program um but you didn't have what you had this time around oh well, there's nothing had, well there's nothing like this i mean even I mean, the whole japanese market was there yeah and and there was there's nothing like it um i mean i said i still think you it's 
it's not quite what Daisuke was, but it's pretty close. They, I mean, they're in these other, for instance, Sawamura has a couple people, you know, and it, it's a bizarre existence coop too, where these reporters from Japan, their job is to follow around this one guy, not the team, the one guy. Like Which that's this it. season, not not as great, but I mean, no, but it's still, I mean, what you see what he did today. Yeah, you get to follow him around. You're going to get get to see something. Well, that's, incredible that's like that. yeah. I mean, that, that's in, in a lot of times, though, it's there's there's people following around, say, a Suzuki. There's people following around, um, you know, like there was Hideki Okajima when he was there. You know, there was it's you, you're uprooting your life to go follow around a guy which is such a bizarre thought when it comes to like our way of reporting and living and thinking. So anyway, um, yes. So it was, it was quite, quite a week. It was quite a week. The the angels came to town. And so I, my question to you, you were caught by somebody on social media with your laptop in the last row of the bleachers. That was the last row. That was like under. So bleachers underneath this, like even behind the sign. Yeah. You have a couple of rows that end up going past that. Uh, Okay. So thought, thought process, thought process of going out there. So I'm, 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 I'm back in that little room that we were talking about. I'm cutting up, slicing and dicing our videos, making sure everything looks all tasty for people to be like, I want to check out that podcast. Um, and the Bruins go down to nothing very quickly. Uh, all the other press people that were back there, they decided to put that on all the camera people, Steve, 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 camera guy. That's yeah, his Steve. Name, right? Yeah. Steve. Steve. I, we, we only met briefly, but great, great follow. Um, Stevie eats. He was, he was kind of leading the, the Bruins cult back there and they went down too. And I said, I'm going to be miserable if I'm watching back here and I can't watch the Red Sox. Um, so I, I decided to go out to a spot where I knew that there would be seats in the bleachers, which can be rowdy, especially on a, a, a night game in the was middle there, of the week. Was there Wi-Fi in the last, no, I mean, this, I didn't need it that I had downloaded everything I needed. It was oh, just okay. Well, I mean, stuff up and yeah, well, rendering. listen, people want to know, people want to know in the yeah, last row the back, of the, yeah. in the last row of Fenway park. No, unfortunately yeah. the press Wi-Fi does not reach that far. Okay. Complete right. opposite end of the park, but okay. it's still still a great view. If you haven't, like, if you ever sat up there, it's an okay view. Let's not go crazy, okay? It's because <laughs> I like because it. because it it's very gradual the way it goes back, and I say that because if you go to Target Field in Minnesota, the bleachers there are so insanely steep. Like, so what I did one time was I took a slinky. I bought a slinky. And the, I'm like, these are the steepest stairs I've ever seen in my life. And I bet I can get a slinky to go down the stairs. So I took the slinky and went up to the top of the bleachers and did the slinky test. And meanwhile, I could see, like, the Red Sox relievers and, like, out warming up in the, in the outfield. Like, what, what is he doing? Like, because I'm, I'm, like, up there by myself trying to get this slinky to go down the stairs. My point is, is that, that that is, is crazy, crazy steep. And more times than not, you're going to get that. But Fenway is so old, the bleachers sort of gradually goes back. Now, Structural it's still integrity. There you go. Like, there you go. If, if, if there's an earthquake, you want to be there, not other parks. But it's 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 a fine seat. It's fine. And by the way, like it was a crappy night. Thursday was a great day. Holy crap. It was a nice. So nice. Three, out, beautiful. Right? 
it was, you, an, I it, was you, it was Anaheim weather. I put I put up on the baseball isn't boring. Go ahead and follow that on Twitter. BB isn't boring. Um, I put up a story of just uh, Jersey Street uh, pregame with all the festivities going on and everything. And it it finally felt like spring. It, yeah. For a while this year, if you're in the Boston area, has not felt like spring. No, no, it was you know it was for the Red Sox. It was a terrible game, but you know for the people going to it, like this was okay. You know, here we go. Baseball's nice out day game, and if for and honestly for like six or seven innings or whatever it was, it was a, it was a it was not only a good game, it was a memorable game. It yeah. was it was a save your ticket stop game. It was. I mean, what what really stinks out of all of this, like the last last couple innings, really bad. You were a baseball fan and you watched that. You were you wanted to stab your eye in. Um, but the win. Of all of all this, if you want to say there's a winner on the Red Sox team, was our starting pitcher today, and he, Rich Hill did amazing. Mm. He or no, sorry, Rich Hill was last night. Or no, Rich no, Hill Rich was Hill was today. Rich Hill was yeah. today. Everything's blending together. Thursday, uh, Thursday game three, Rich Hill, and he probably his best pitching performance of the year. No, what a, what a jerk too, huh? Like I mean, uh, you met him. Like what a uh, oh my goodness, what an awful guy. But so like this this totally like push giving this stiff arm doesn't want to talk to anybody no this is complete complete grifting right here because you were praising him in the dugout saying he needs to start doing the the radio booth well i'm of course i you know everyone knows so like i'm joking i'm it's i'm being ironic because you aren't going to find a nicer guy and also a guy that you know i used to say this coop about tori lovello tori lovello was a guy who forget about like baseball like he listened to you in a conversation better than anybody I've ever come like when, and he was really like inquisitive. He, when he would come on the radio would ask, how's this work? How's this work? Why does he do that? And he would listen. He would never. And when you were in a conversation, he was always listening with rich Hill. He's the type of guy where he'll, he'll never end the conversation. Like even to any, like he doesn't know you at all. Right. But like he wasn't, he, talk to you like anybody else and and he was going to keep talking and he'll never end the conversation because he likes to talk to people he genuinely likes people he likes to talk about things with people and it's not like let's get this i've never seen him say let's get the conversation over with ever ever you know what it's never like hollow conversations i've i've only been around him like a handful of times and had conversations with him Usually through you. I'm third party in those conversations. Uh, I'm always welcomed by him. Thank you for that, Rich. Uh, but it's like very, very intelligent conversations. It's, there's a lot of meat to it, like what he ends up saying. It's awesome. I, he's a great guy. Right. And by the way, we have, um, I know that Jemai Webster was doing an excellent interview with Kevin Plowacki about the pitch com stuff. Yep. And uh, we have secured a a, a uh, date with Kevin Plowacki. Oh, really? To basically, to basically rip that sort of idea off and do a podcast, a pitchcom podcast. So, I'm down uh, for that. yeah. So, but that's going to be uh, on the road in Chicago. So, oh. yeah. There you go. Confirmed. I mean, <laughs> as much as it can be. I mean, right. is that anything in life confirmed? Really? That's true. That's but, true. W- but what is confirmed is that we we sat down with. Nathan Avaldi, and I, you know, I talked to him. You were there, getting the content, like monitoring the interview, making sure that it was you know it was being steered in the right direction. Make uh, sure you two look pretty. 
Yeah. So let's listen to the before we before we get to your takeaways from Nathan Ovaldi. Let's get to the interview right now. All right, we're honored, absolutely honored, to have Nathan Ovaldi on. And uh, first of all, um, Garrett Whitlock said you have zero percent body fat. Is that true? That's not true. It's not true. It's not true. He's off. <laughs> Wait, what, 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 what do we got? What no, we got? I don't. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> so he he talked a little bit about like you guys all live together in spring training, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, Whitlock Plow and Long and I. What a scene! <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Really good group of guys in there. So, so when when Garrett talks about sort of the the um, the sort of mentorship and, and learning, and I obviously you know we you challenge me to to pull a sled around mm-hmm. uh, like you guys would every morning, but like how much? First of all, do you like having to be able to pass that on? Because I would imagine somebody did that for you. Yeah. But also like the like the important now that you know. Um, having gone through it and doing it for a guy like him, how important it is to be sort of a mentor. No, yeah, definitely. As, as I've been around longer and longer, you know, things that I wish I could have done differently, you know, or not differently, but just going back, talking to the younger guys and being in that role, the things I've learned along the way, I felt like if I could have learned that stuff, you know, when I was three or four years into it, it would have helped me out a lot more. Um, so I was, if I can, you know, Garrett, one thing about him is he's always around. He's always listening to everybody, and you know it's not just me, but he's around different groups of guys. And, you know, he's always trying to learn and get better and listen for things. He has a good idea of what he's trying to do out there and what he's trying to accomplish, and then also too, you know, if I can help pass a few things along the way, it helps out. And you know, that was the whole uh, plan with Pulwecki and I living. We lived together in spring training last year with COVID, and then this year. Uh, just with the late startup and everything, he had reached out and was like, hey, you got a place? Like, can I live with you? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. You know, and we talked about getting uh, Garrett and Wong in there, Connor as well, so we could kind of, you know, catcher and pitcher and we, just the conversations and stuff that we're having in the, you know, after the field and just being at, at the house and stuff like that. But, you know, for us to be able to get back to them a little bit and just, you know, whether just talking about conversations or if they're going through issues or, you know, little struggles, you know, we're able to be there and help them out along the way. Who cooked? I did most of the cooking. Ooh, yeah, plot. like it. Paul doesn't cook. Paul orders pizza and chicken wings. And so, so in the in the TV in the TV twelve, uh, Nathan Evaldi, Garrett Whitlock, the, the, there was some. It, it wasn't exactly like uh, like Kevin jumped in and he, he's like, "I'll be over here with a pizza." Kevin makes the best cookies, other than my wife. He makes the best three fifty twelves, and then uh, I do a pretty good job with breakfast. Uh, we'll all cook some pretty good dinners every now and then on the barbecue and things like that. So, I mean, we try to try not to eat out as much, try to eat in, eat in as much as possible. But you know, as spring training got later, the games got later and longer. We ended up eating more, eating out a little bit more than we normally would. Who? Uh, so, talk about mentorship. Who? Who was the guy that sort of was with you? Um, you know, I had, a, I had quite a few guys take me in with the different teams that I was that I had been with. Uh, when I was with the Dodgers, you know, I always looked up to Kershaw and the way he handles his business out there on the mounds and then his preparations, things like that. But uh, Scott Elbert took me under his wing. You know, he let me live with him and he took care of me. Uh, Jonathan Broxson also, uh, you know, let me live with him. And then when I was with the Marlins, it was John Buck, former catcher. You know, yeah, yeah, he, he was took, good, man. He took good care of me. Yeah. And, you know, I learned a lot from those guys. And then, uh, you know, when I was with the Yankees, 
you know, spending a lot of that time with uh, CC Tanaka, uh, getting to kind of like go, go, you know, just I mean, there's a lot of veterans on that team, but just like the pitching staff in itself, getting to pick their brains and preparation and things like that have helped me out a lot. But you know, so when I talk about the zero percent body fat, there must like we all take a turn, right? We all take a turn in our fitness. And uh, where was where when who was the guy or when did you sort of like really really start embracing the that aspect of it. Um, I mean, honestly, when I was in high school, I, I took a really good care of myself. My dad's a really good cook. You know, he was always cooking dinners and, you know, getting the breakfast, things like that. So I was always eating healthy. Then when I got with the Dodgers, I, I kept eating good. Marlins, same thing. And then when I was with the Yankees, they wanted me to put on weight, try to get up to like 230. And I just, I couldn't. 230? I, I tried my best to get up there and I just couldn't get up there to that weight. And then, uh, you know, injuries started happening. I, you know, there's the performance. And then I felt like I was just in bad shape in a way. So I wanted to get back on top of my nutrition and things like that when I was rehabbing with the Rays, started getting better. And then when I got over here, you know, I, I was able to lower my body fat and just just my overall I, health. I felt like I was a lot healthier and just, I felt more energy. And, uh, since you got here? Since I've been here, yeah. Really? I just, I don't know. I, I think it also too, as you get older and you know, just trying to stay healthy and be on the field these last few years, I've been able to stay healthy. And even in 2020, I had calf injuries, but you know, arm wise, I've been able to stay on top of things. And I think a lot of it's the nutrition and just trying to lay off the snacks late at night. It's easy for us. It's hard, man. Like you guys, like, so in Oakland, you know, Oakland is the place where we actually, cause it's such a small clubhouse. We get to see what you guys eat. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like 1130 at night and you're like wolfing down like, yeah. 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 But yeah. So, so you, so you've really taken it up a notch, like yeah. the whole fitness thing here. Yeah. I mean, just, I wouldn't even say fitness, but just my nutrition and watching the things I eat. And even then, even now, it's like, I feel like I've been cutting back on how much I work out, just trying not to get too, too sore or anything mm-hmm. like that in the past. I'd, again, when I was coming up with the Dodgers, like, Kershaw never misses a day. He, the workout, the work ethic, it's, it's, he's getting everything in every time. And that's what I grew up watching and, you know, and being a part of, and you know, I kept that same routine and I felt like I had to get that routine or that work done, you know, to be ready for that next start. And also for other guys to see, see me working, you know, they wouldn't be getting on my case every now and then. Isn't that interesting though? Like I've heard so many of these stories about starters passing to starters, passing mm-hmm. to starters, passing to starters, but this is like a real baseball thing. You know, I can mm-hmm. go back. For sure. Yeah, I mean, for, for so for you, it's sort of like Kershaw was the guy. Mm-hmm. And even, like, us, I've been talking to Rich, too. It's like, if I could go back, it's like, we always look at how hard, like, the guys work in between starts and the, how much they throw and working out, things like that. But we never really pay attention to the recovery side of things and, like, what they do to recover and be ready for that next start other than working out. And that was, like, the one thing I was, I was talking to Rich about. It's like, if I could go back, it's like, that'd be the one thing I would want to change is, you know, whether it's the hot tub, cold tubs, or just getting treatment in the training room. And that's what I'm trying to encourage, you know, our, our staff and younger guys to do is, you know, we have one of the best training staffs in the big leagues and you got to be, you know, you need to go in there and make sure you're getting stretched out or, you know, seeing those guys if you have something going on because it's not like they're going to put you on the IL right away. They're going to make sure that you're healthy mm. and you can go out there and perform to your, you know, your ultimate level. I mean, that's the thing. I always I asked when Xander came on, I asked him how much he benched, which, you know, like like in high school, right? Like you like that's how we judge. That's how we judge fitness, right? It's yeah. like like how much you bench. I mean, you probably haven't benched in. No. 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 I used to bench a lot in high school, and then I had my what Tommy John, and I got hurt. Yeah, Tommy John and benching probably isn't conducive. Yeah. The doctor was like, "That's the worst thing you could be doing." And I was like, I "Had no idea." What was your max? 
okay. Well, what? So you talk about like your lowering your body fat or stuff like since you've been mm-hmm. here. Can you give me a gauge of like what it was and what it has become? Well, I mean, I I usually hover around that that like eight to fourteen range, eight to thirteen, right in that range. But when when you when you came here, it was sort of on the high end of that. Oh uh, no! I mean, by the time I was with Tampa, you know, t- it, every organization's a little different. You know, we have the I forget I don't I'm not exactly sure which scale it is, but we have one of those scales where you hold the handles. And oh yeah, sure. So I don't know how accurate that is. I always give our guys a hard time saying it's not that accurate, but. Um, you know, with Tampa, we never really did that. And, you know, and when I came up with the Dodgers, it was like you had like the clamps, you know, and it was everybody pinched it differently. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, but I just make sure I try to eat a lot of vegetables. I feel like I learned a lot going through injuries. And when I went when I was over there with the Rays and I was rehabbing, you know, they really kind of opened my eyes to how important it is to have like the greens and the mixed vegetables and all the vitamins and like just the natural nutrients that they have in there for recovery and. Anything I can do to help with inflammation in the shoulder, the elbow, to help it from being sore, you know, I get it's it's tough. You know, we're not able to play this game our entire lives, and you know, you want to try to ride out that that link of you know your playtime as long as you can. And if you're hurt, you know, you're taken away from yourself, and we're already missing a lot of time with our families and things like that. So I want to make sure that I'm staying as healthy as I can and be able to come out here and help these guys win. I feel like I feel that you're like a perfect example of this. Like around here we focus so much on on Brady, right? Tom Brady. But the way that athletes and a lot of stuff that you're saying is sort of lends it to itself to exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I feel like where you're at, when we talk about you as a pitcher currently going forward, that you're a perfect example of this, of how like the athletes are evolving mm-hmm. where you get into your 30s and because of education yeah. and all of it, that you're more equipped than even when you're in the 20s to do better. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And again, you have to learn kind of along the way. And that's one of the things, you know, whether it's Whitlock or Hauk or you know, Cutter, Crawford, you know, some of the guys that we have on the team, it's like if I can be able to give back to those guys and help them out, you know, I see where they are now compared to where I was back then and, you know, it's just the way that the games evolved and how much, how much, uh, you know, they were able to learn down in the minor leagues and coming up into the big leagues and how much more prepared they are now than I feel like we were at the time. It helps out a lot. You know, you want to ultimately you want everybody to have a long, you know, ten year plus career and be mm. able to help guys out and reach that, you know, the free agency and succeed. Do you feel better now than you ever have? Like all things considered, uh, I mean, I know, know yeah. that like you're in, the, in a season now, so like yeah, it and aches and pains. Too going back and thinking about it too, because I remember I could roll out of bed and just you know, be ready to come to the field and not necessarily have to go to the weight room and warm up. And now it's you know you got to get to the field an hour or two early just to stretch and make sure you're ready to go outside and play catch. Um, so I mean, with those little things, it's yes and no. I feel better sometimes, worse, but you know, going out there and pitching, I feel the best I have. I've, you know, ever just being able to command my pitches and just really feeling my mechanics and kind of understanding, you know, what I'm what I'm doing out there and being able to correct myself instead of, you know, having Bushy come out and, you know, kind of go back over the mechanics and what I might be doing wrong. Well, that's the thing. Like, so now starters are viewed in a different way. But, like, to me, you're one of these guys who is equipped more than ever to be sort of the anchor. That, Like, to, here's my opinion of it, which is, I do think I get where baseball's going, mm-hmm. but I do think that you need guys. You need a, at least a few guys to sort of be the anchor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know like how you feel about like obviously when Alex comes to take the ball from your your good teammate, you're a good player. You'll like whatever it takes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But still, like, do you? And you can disagree with me if you want, obviously. But do you agree that that, that still baseball needs these guys that 
could potentially say I'm a seven eight inning guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I, there's the time and the place of when you need to come out of a game when you get left in there. You know, whether it's the fifth inning and you're trying to make it through the five and a hundred pitches, or if you're cruising through a game and you know, I understand the concept of the third the third time through the lineup and the batting averages raise up a little bit, but again, the scores come into play and you know the bullpens are so much better now than they have been in the past. But I feel like if the guy's rolling out there, you know, you want to. It's a long season. Again, like I don't know, there's so many ups and downs between both sides. It's a it's a tough battle. But I mean, I do agree with you that there are those times when the guys locked in. It's like you gotta let them go and you know see how they adjust to them. Um, I know the runs. The score of the game depends a lot of it, but you know I feel like AC does a great job with us in managing. And it's like anytime he does walk out, it's like you don't necessarily just hand him the ball. You kind of wait and see what he's going to do. And it's like, all right, are you done? And you ask for the ball, and you give <laughs> it to him. Some guys, it's like, oh, here he comes. You handle the ball right away. And um, you know I try to make sure I keep the ball in my glove until he says like, all right, it's time. And then I got to get it out and hand it to him. All right, there you go. All right, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, never man. know, man. I'm so ready to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing, so here's here's, and you bring up a lot of good points, and and obviously I've talked to Rich about this a lot, and this goes back to the World Series, which is, and really any playoffs, which is if a guy is cruising and you're, it's the mindset of I feel good that day, mm-hmm. and I it feel like I'm in control, and I know the third time's coming up through the order, but is there's the human element of just being the right guy at the right time and you don't as good as the other stuff might be coming in you don't know if the other guy coming in is the right guy at the right time um so that's sort of why i think so, especially in the postseason because the postseason as you know is like a different stage yeah i feel like postseason is a different animal and you got each guy's going to be coming in a little amped up or feeling different things than you know than a normal season but i feel like I'll, for the most part everybody's more locked in and you can get that tunnel vision a lot quicker and even though the crowd's louder, you don't really notice it too much just because you're more locked in, I feel like, when you're coming in to compete in those situations. So really anytime anybody gets the ball, uh, again, it's tough. You know, you don't know what, what game it is. You don't know what series it is. You want everybody to be fresh, and then you want to keep riding that wave, that hot wave of, you know, they're going to come in and get the job done. And, that's, you know, you see the way AC's managed it before. Uh, every starter goes down to the bullpen. You know, there's really no more bullpens being thrown during the season that's – or during the postseason, mm-hmm. and so you go down to the pin, you're ready to go whenever he, he calls on you. Is there anything about that game, like we talk about that game, like the stage, when I, whenever I think about the stage, I think of the game that you pitched, mm-hmm. that when that, they, they, were, they served 800 dogs or dogs in the media dining room that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, was there anything about that game that like sort of we can look back at or the behind the scenes of, like, that you'll remember? Obviously, the reaction to your teammates after that mm-hmm. was something. But when you're in the middle of it, what do you remember, or is it, is it almost like you're blacking out? Yeah, I mean, for me, I have a, I have a tough time remembering games. Like, I, you know, I talk to a lot of other guys, and they can tell you which pitch at which time, and you know, I, I have to go back and like rewatch the videos over and over to remember what pitches I threw in there. So a lot of the times for me, it's a blackout. But I mean, <laughs> just for me, it was more of the upset of you know losing the game, and then. The reaction of my teammates, you know, picking me up afterwards, and then ultimately winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like the the evolution of the starter, does that, like you said, good teammate, everything? Mm-hmm. But is it is there a sense of frustration? Again, there's no way I guess I could put it for for starters. Like I watched Scherzer the other night, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like this guy is like he wants to pitch nine innings, yeah. right? I mean, is there sort of like, and you're I think you're part of that class. Of hey, I want to be considered the, the nine inning guy. Yeah, of course. I mean, 
unfortunately for me, I haven't had a complete game. You know, I've been close a lot of times, but I've been taken out due to pitch count or just the score of the ball games, things like that. But I want to be able to go out there and finish the games. You know, you wait once every five days to be able to go out there and win, you know, and compete. But ultimately, at the end of the day, as long as we win the ball game, that's what matters to me. I can go out there and get a five or six. I'm going to be frustrated, but as long as we win, you know, I'm I'm happy with it. I sleep a lot better, but even when we lose, uh, you know, say we lose one to zero and I go seven shutout, like I'm still not sleeping good at night. I'm so frustrated. You know, I tend to go back and replay everything and see like what I could have done better and could have made it to the eighth. You know what I mean, or the ninth, or finish the game, things like that. So, you know, those little things like that comes down to me for me just winning the ball games. Is it hard? Um, is also like with the future of baseball and when when guys talk about because you know the business of baseball is another part of this, right? I mean, I, I remember Daniel Bar back he wanted to become a starter because that's where he thought you know he was honest I mean, that's where the money's at and for for you guys it's sort of like yeah it's good for the middle relievers they're making more money but is it also hard to like that part of it or did you try to I, I know yeah. your answer is like yeah, I try to phase that out but still yeah. I mean I mean for me I, I really just try to focus on the things that I can control yeah. I mean I feel like it's so tough to try to make the game fair and everything I don't know yeah, fair's probably not even the right word for it but I don't know for me I just try to really focus on the things that I can control and you know starting you know again it goes back to the contract and things like that you know you pay your guy a lot to go out there and compete you know other guys you're not giving them as much and, you know it comes down to a situation it comes down to the experience of being out there um, but I mean ultimately I just try to you know focus on the little things that I can control and for me that helps me out when I'm out there pitching and you know it's one pitch at a time and making sure everything's in sync and I'm out there ready to go it is amazing though like the last time that you went through the contract thing the you know the perception of the perception of my view is better I mean, but the perception of starting pitching is different yeah yeah I mean again you know and you see guys are getting paid a lot more like as they get older, back in the day, you know, it's like you hit that age 32, 33, you're kind of out of the game, and now guys are trying to get paid more then. And, you know, I feel like the relievers, again, you know, like their workloads have increased, and you don't just have a close, you don't have a setup man, you're a sixth or seventh inning guy. It could be that guy, and it depends on the part of the lineup you're facing. And, and really, it's going out there and just putting up zeros, and, you know, that'll handle itself. And the last question about that is, are we, have you been able to, like we talked about you in spring training, have you been able to sort of get that side of things out of your, like everyone deals with contract years different. Have you been able to sort of to get that out of your mindset or has it been what you had thought? You've gone through it before, obviously. Yeah, I, I've been through it before. I know it helps. Um, in the past, again, you know, I just focus on the little things that I can control. If I'm thinking about the end of the year at this point, you know, we got a long season to go and if I'm focused on every game, I, you know, well, I could have a bad game and I'm going to be thinking, oh no, I'm, you know, it's not going to go as well or you know, I just think about it one game at a time and ultimately you're going to have those waves where you're, you're going to struggle but you just got to, um, you know, find a way to get out of the struggle as fast as you can and um, have the good starts. More good starts than not, obviously. But, um, again, going out there, focusing on the small things, not thinking about the bigger picture. It's going to be one day at a time. And, uh, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what a week's going to bring or at the end of the year. Um, so just try to finish the season healthy, and hopefully, you know, I'll have good numbers. And, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Well, I don't know how long you want to pitch. Do the break. Come on, let's go. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, that's the tough part for me, too. You know, I've been hurt for the majority of my career in these last three years. You know, we've been with the Red Sox, and we've been competing and been healthy, and, you know, that's the best part, uh, being able to take the ball every day and not have injuries and not be sore and things like that. Uh, coming into the ballpark and the trainers are 
have done a yeah, tremendous man. job again of keeping um, me healthy and keeping know, me out there. So I still feel like I have a lot left. And uh, you know, I still feel like yeah, I meant this. I meant this like in an optimistic. I, I did not like mean this like oh you only have like I actually mean this like however many years you've pitched. Like I could see like you're the type of guy where I could see like Verlander talks about this right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is a guy like the, I could see you pitching into your 40s the way that you're going. I feel good. My arm feels good. The velo hasn't dropped. You know what I mean. And, um, you know, as long as I feel like I'm not really taking a spot from somebody else who. Deserves it coming up. Like but you don't even need the velo. Like, you, like velo is nice. Yeah. That's what I hear anyway. Like velo's good. Velo, velo's good. But like the that you like you've like that's my point is that you've evolved into something that that I think that you could be a different kind of pitcher even with even if throwing like ninety five. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's my opinion. <laughs> Take it for what it is. But I, that's, that's a compliment. All right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. So you had never met Nathan Avaldi before. Nope. First time meeting him. Technically, really, you didn't really meet him. I did a poor job of introducing you. No, that's yeah. a, I mean, I, I know him well. He doesn't know me. Okay. So, um, whether it's from the conversation, if you could have, if you could hear it, uh, whether it's from the conversation that we had on the podcast or just sort of his demeanor or whatever, what was your takeaways from Avaldi? Quiet confidence. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, you like that? That was yeah. something my high school um, baseball coach used to throw around. Okay. Uh, uh, shout out coach Forbes, not Forbes. I don't know. Four acre. That's what it was. We, we had three, we went through three coaching changes. You want to talk really? about tumultuous times, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, he's such, like, a soft-spoken guy. I had said it to you right after, like, he's, like, very, like, in his own lane. He, If you're going to ask him something, he's going to answer it, but he doesn't really go above that, which isn't a bad thing. It's just yeah. kind of, like, he's giving you what he's giving you, and if you... There were instances where you made him laugh, and, like, he genuinely, like, that would take him out of, like, that little media mindset he might have been in. Yes. It would kind of get him like playing around a little bit more. And it, that that's always fun for me to watch. Well, to listen. Well, it, it's funny because I think there was at one point I say, I'm talking about how, you know, how long do you want to play? Right. How long do you. And and I think he took that as I was saying that he only had a couple of years left, which as I tried to articulate to him, like, no, I'm talking about like I'm trying to say that you're the example of the new wave athlete where because of you, the way you take care of yourself and evolve mentally and technology and all of it, like you can play a lot longer. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like if, if he said, I want to play to 45, I'll be like, okay. But, but, you know, and, but that was like, he was, when I said it, like how long you want to play, he, you could tell he immediately went to like, Oh, you're saying I'm only yeah. going to play a couple more years. No, no. And I had to stop. No, no, no. And then like, his, like you said, sort of, he flipped the switch and had to, like click over to a whole different mindset. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I find it him really interesting because of that. And also like some of the stuff that we got into and he talked about, which is like, I want to know what they're thinking, man. Like when it comes to this, the, the way that these starters are being approached, like I, this is, this is, I think he said it best. I mean, where there's a couple different ways to look at it. You can see both sides of it. But you have to think at the heart of it that they, they that guy like that says, I want to be considered like as an eight inning starter, right? And that's the confidence part I'm talking about because 
you, you would ask them a question that almost you start seeing managers take the ball out of guys' hands or along that lines. And, and he agreed with you along. I'm not, I forget the actual terminology that you had used, but he was like, yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, I want to go out there and I want to be able to like, give my team the best. But did you see what he said was, I leave the ball in my glove. Yeah, so Cora can. Uh, yeah, which yeah. I didn't like. I didn't pick up on, but I like that. Like, I like like that tells me something. And he's he gonna, wants to hold on to it. Yeah, well, he's also you know he's always got whatever the team needs, so forth and so on. But the more we're going through this year, especially with the Red Sox, the more I'm like thinking, okay, you know, you have to adjust something, right? You have to adjust something. The, like how it's going isn't working. And oh, you don't it, say. It's, it's, it's not working. Like, it's not like a, by a lot, it's not working, but it's not working. And so one of the things that I would suggest is sort of like, we see it with Otani, right? We, where he's going, he's going to the pitch count. Like he's going to the pitch count, which is not going to the, the pocket in the lineup. He's not going to the innings. He's not going to the third time to the order. He's going to the pitch count. And the Red Sox are never doing that. You're getting you their their ERA, their starter ERA is insanely good, right? And so yep. it's, it's insanely good. But I mean, they're all, it's, they're they're also like coming out after sixty something pitches, so which doesn't help because if when you get into that sixth inning, you're using a lot of arms to get well, through well, the, that's, the that, bottom that, half that's, of that game. And that's my point. That's my point. Something isn't working. And usually what that something is, is that you've stretched out your relievers to the point where if you have four relievers, one of them didn't work at some point, right? And, yep. and so so I'm just – when I talk to Evaldi, like I, I look at like him as a potential option. Whitlock, same thing, as you need a couple of these guys to say, you know, I am, I'm going to go eight innings. And, and you know, like, you heard him. I mean, you know that's what he wants to do. You know, you yeah, know. I, I you, would imagine every starter wants to get out there and be like, I'm, I'm throwing a complete game today. Because if oh. you're, if, as a, as a starter, as a, like, player, you want to go out there and dominate. Like, I, it, it's a team sport, but you also want to be the well, most dominant guy well, on that field. Well, and, and also, like, don't, don't be fooled. Like, there, there's a financial part of this, too. There's a business side of this. As I said to him, like when he was up for free agency the last time, it was a different world. It was it was a completely different world. The, the, the starters were like a lot of, of the ilk that we're talking about. But now you're going into free agency. Oh well, oh you're oh you're a guy who's going to pitch five or six innings. Well, we're gonna we're, we don't we don't need to pay you a ton because look, we're paying Rich Hill this or Michael Waka that or or whoever like not a ton of money, but we are going to pay the middle relievers a little bit more. We are going to pay Matt Strom $3 million. We are going to play Deekman $7 million. We are going to pay these guys a little bit more because we understand their roles have become a little bit more important. But the, the, the idea of paying like Max Scherzer $40 million like he is, is such an outlier. It's such an outlier. And, and you know that Evaldi, uh, he doesn't want $40 million, but would the Red Sox ever come to him and say, here's the exact same deal that we gave you last time, four years at $69 million? Probably not, even though he's a better pitcher. Like, that's crazy. Do you that, think 
so you just made me really kind of like start churning the brain a little bit. You got the smoke so coming what, out of my ears. That's my goal, yes. Um, when Scherzer and like Verlander and guys like that are out of this league, do you think contracts for pitchers is going to like drastically change? Because you don't, don't have that I benchmark of like, yeah, what, like I mean, a Cy Young I pitcher think there's, should be. I, I, I think all teams aren't going to take this approach that we've seen. There's Like we said, and I said to Valdi, you know, I my opinion is that you need some of these guys. You can have the other guy; that's fine. But you need you can have the five inning guys; that's fine. But you need some a, a few of these guys where you think have the potential to go seven or eight innings. And I think a lot of teams still look at it that way. They still value this, and they'll be sold on it too. I mean, look at look at. There's still a lot of. I, I said this yesterday. The Athletic did the story about rating power ranking the aces, you know, and, and, you know, Valdi was, I don't know what number he was in the teens or something like that, but you know, there's not a lot of them. Like there's not, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of, there wasn't a lot to draw from like, but you know, so to answer your question, do you think Jacob DeGrom's going to get paid? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, but, I don't know. He, I mean, after, after this next, when's his next contract up? I'm not current sure. contract but, up, I should but say. my so but my point is like there are opportunities for the Red Sox to have a couple of these guys and a couple of these guys I mean Evaldi and Whitlock you know I don't know what Sale and Paxton they're gonna do but you know when Sale and Paxton come back like these guys are gonna be like the five inning guys all over again and so, oh it, go ahead go ahead no 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 and they're gonna and so and you know Sale's gonna want to go deeper. I mean, that's the interesting aspect of it, right? Because Sale hasn't really lived in this world yet, you know, he, to this point. He, he's, I mean, he really hasn't seen 2020, 2021, like pitching. No, nah, no. Nah. So during he, the pandemic, like, but they'll say a lot of things have changed. They'll, they'll say he, he's, they're protecting him and, you know, and that's why. But, uh, but, you know, and, and also look at, look at last year, you know, look at last year in the playoffs where Cora, like goes against sort of this way of thinking, leaves Sale in. You know why? Because he's Chris Sale, and it he's backfires. Be at you. And it, yeah, and it backfires. And so yeah, it's it's a whole big conversation, and that's why I'm glad we had a Valdi on, um, because you know I do think that he a is what can be one of those guys has the mentality. I do think he's going to get better and better and better. And B also because he's in a contract year, it really it enters into the interesting conversation. And C, we know that he doesn't have 0% body fat, but he has under 10, right? Is it between eight, 8 and 12? 8 and 12, right? I, yeah. I don't know the whole body fat thing. Oh, no, you don't know about but the oh, well, man. body fat. Body mass index is like kind of like a BS thing. No, it isn't. What? Are you kidding me? Like weight when you calculate yes. based on like uh like your height and weight, just it's body body fat man body okay. fat percentage. Right. Pablo Sandoval seventeen percent. John Henry hey, told us he's a Ferrari. There you go. I don't know if you know, but he's a Ferrari. All right. Um, All right. Actually, gonna... Can I can I say one quick thing? Yeah, sure. Something that perked my ears up. Okay. Him living with Kershaw. Yeah, oh, yeah, anytime, right. Anytime, anytime you toss around Kershaw's name, that gets a little buzz. And it's just I, like, and when he said that, it's hard to even remember that he played for the Dodgers. Yeah, that was the other. Like, you, you don't remember that he came up through them like for a little bit, but um, like just the fact that he was under his tutelage, and you never really like, I would have never known that had he never said that. Um, 
So it's kind of like now that when I watch him, I'm come kind of picking up things like trying to look for things that he might have emulated. I, by the way, I also confirmed through Kevin Plawecki that he does cook uh, very or he does bake very solid cookies. Does he? What yeah. like does he? Does he go soft, chewy on it? Uh, like, he says whatever it bit? says on the back of the package. Oh, okay, there you go. But and then, yes, Kevin Plawecki, Connor Wong, Nathan Avaldi, Garrett Whitlock. Bunk beds in the house. So that's good spring training. Good times, good times in Fort Myers. All right. I'm going to close things out, Coop. Um, because, again, I know you love geeking it out. So I said, I looked around the clubhouse. I said, who can uh, Coop get his geeky head around? And I mean that in an endearing way. Because I have like, a pretty geeky head. Well, not a geeky. No, like in the, in the sense that you like. That's what I like when you talk about baseball. Because... You're a baseball player. You're a baseball guy. You, uh, let's put an asterisk on baseball player when we're talking about professional baseball you, players. No, no, but you play me. baseball. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you, I, you play in play a little bit. I mean, you you understand what it's like to swing a bat and throw a ball. I can, I can, in fact, hit a hit a ball. But you find that that stuff, this stuff about the the art of the great game of baseball, a combination of ballet and chess. Ooh. You know. So yeah, you like that. Uh, did, you, you, did you rip that off of Garrett Whitlock? Um, no, no, I I made that up. I, I've all used right. that before. So, but you like you like all the little intricacies, much like I do in a lot of ways. And Michael Waka is having a great year, and in large part because he has this one pitch, this one pitch, the changeup. And one of the things that when you listen to this, Coop. He talks about it said like, oh, well, when did you develop the changeup? It's like in high school. I'm like, who throws a changeup in high school? Because you know, and because I'm thinking up here, like in Northeast baseball, high school, it's throw the ball as hard as you can and spin the ball. That's it. Oh no, you gotta. I may, maybe different for me because I grew. I didn't really grow up on Pedro, but I had the Pedro effect where you start seeing a guy throw a changeup around like him. Coaches are going to start teaching but, you to throw a changeup. But, but as I talked to Waka after the tape recorder was off, I said, listen, I think that one of the reasons the kids don't throw a changeup as much as maybe he certainly did, and maybe you do now that I know that you're a changeup master, that because they look at it as, well, I don't have the I'm, – all I'm doing is throwing it slower and sort of straight, and so I'm just giving the guy an op- opportunity to hit it. In other words – they don't have the conviction that that ball is going to a like be enough of different from your fastball and C I went from a to C C a, it's, uh, been, it's been a long three it has, it has to, to actually move. So I think that's where there's a hesitancy with, with kids throwing that pitch, but Oh man, do I love a good changeup? Boo. There's Love nothing better thing. than fooling someone on a changeup. Oh, but it's also, there's nothing better than seeing like a major leaguer, like, you know, Whitlock's changeup. You're going back, Trevor Hoffman's changeup. Um, you know, it, it's just that not only the, the difference in speed, but the boom, you know, and, and, and Waka is, when you know, it's sort of like Mariano with the, with the cutter. Like with Waka, like he doesn't have a great fastball. It was good enough. But he has this changeup. He basically is saying, "Hey, I have a changeup. Try to hit it." I love those guys. I love them. You just gotta go at a batter sometimes and challenge him. There you go. Well, you know what? We want to get to the bottom of it. 
So thanks to everyone. We're going to finish off. We'll cruise on into the sunset with this Michael Walker interview. Coop, you're doing an outstanding job. A pleasure as always. I mean, like a lot of momentum. Subscribe. All the all the shenanigans that BB you do. BB isn't for boring on Instagram. BB yep. isn't boring on Twitter. Bradfo show on Twitter. Maybe maybe Grinelli will ever give us the Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> I'm calling him out on here. I've D- I've DM DM'd him as well. All right. Well, he's got he's got he's he's, he's got, a little busy with playoff. He, he's got a dynasty over at uh, a spin chicklet. So yeah. Um, but it's it's good times. We're having a lot of. I mean, it's all about having fun and like going to the park and doing the stuff. It's fun. Probably it you is. having fun? Yeah, because you know what? Baseball isn't boring. <laughs> Baseball isn't boring. It's, listen, after after that long day and you, you pull I, from the uh, corona. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. Like, it's, you know, like, I could just be just doing the reporter thing. But I, I the fact that, like, I can go down from the press box. Oh, there's Dabo Sweeney. I'm going to go down and talk to him about baseball, about baseball not being boring, about this and, you know, doing the whole thing with the T-shirt and having a conversation or, or talking to these guys in long form like we are with the podcast. Like, this is good stuff, man. It's all good. It's all good. And you know what? It's great. Yeah. And it's, it's also good because when the team sucks, like, you need stuff like this more than ever. Gosh. So I, I, can't, I can't imagine you trying to, you know, type out uh, articles right now. That's... Yes, well, I that's going to be computer, tough. Yes. So that's why, hey, it's always tough. Get Rob, get Rob a raise. Get Rob it's a raise. It's, He's it's doing a, his best right now. It's always tough to type out articles. Yes, that, <laughs> that is accurate. All right, here's Michael Walker. So where did you learn to change up? I mean, it's obviously like uh, one of the most, um, I guess, unique pitches in, in the league right now. Um, and I don't know how much has evolved. And I'm always fascinated, like, where it actually started. Uh, I was, uh, I would probably say high school ball. Um, it's kind of whenever I started throwing it was, uh, yeah, it was, I was primarily a fastball, uh, change up pitcher through, through high school and through college. And But a high school kid doesn't like, is that a normal thing for a high school kid? I mean, for, to, to have a change up, obviously with a high school kid, like you, like, I'm sure you threw hard. I didn't throw hard in high school. Really? No, I didn't. No, I was, uh, no, it was probably, you know, low to mid-80s through high school. I mean, I would top out at 87, 88 or so, but, uh, yeah, I, my dad, he, he never really let me throw a curveball, uh, you know, growing up in, like, youth ball and things like that, and so it was my secondary pitch from there so yeah it, i didn't think it was weird or anything so well i mean yeah i'm not saying it's weird but it's yeah. just, it's, it's unique i mean the so yeah. like when you're so your dad taught you to change up uh probably a little bit of him and uh you know some early on uh pitching coaches yeah. you know why I say that not a lot of guys throw a changeup because not a lot of the guys even throw hard enough to say, you know, like when I'm throwing in a media yeah. game, like my right. changeup is my straight ball, right? Yeah. But, but so. It's just something different. Yeah. Yeah. When, when. If you can get them two different pitches, then yeah. When, so who was the, like, when, who was the person that taught you the grip? Uh, so I changed grips, uh, in college. Uh, that was, uh, Coach Rob Childers there that, uh, Tell me, what are these? Yeah, just 
helped me get confidence and in the pitch and helped me start to get uh, you know a little bit more shape and consistent shape to that kind of mimics what it is kind of now um, and so yeah he uh, you know kind of taught me like how to throw it when to throw it how to use it type of deals and you know uh, you know work it off of my fastball because like I said I was primarily fastball changeup in in college when when did you really feel like in the major like this is going to be a pitch for me in the major leagues uh, I, the I hope that as, as soon as I got drafted I mean um, yeah as soon as I got drafted I was like hey I mean I'm gonna take my bread and butter with me into pro ball and so yeah I, I don't know if that thought ever crossed my mind but yeah I mean I was I was gonna you know stick to my strengths and you know uh, keep on pitching the way I have been can you describe your grip on it uh, obviously you know this isn't a visual medium but yeah. can you describe your grip on it uh I would I would probably describe it as like a modified uh, circle change um, you know my index finger and thumb don't actually touch to make it a complete circle and so it's it i call it kind of a claw grip almost you got it tucked into my hand uh to help kill velocity and kill spin on it and uh yeah just uh try to keep the same arm speed as a fastball and sell it as a fastball and uh hopefully uh you know that grip with the uh, with it tucked in the hand will uh kill the velocity on it and make it do what i want it to do what's the what's the thing that if you're going to tell someone like this is i know there's a lot of elements of it there's arm speed there's approach there's grip and everything else but what's the thing that you would say this is this is when i go to throw this pitch this is number one on the power rankings for things that I have to remember to do. Um, I mean, I've, I've probably got different cues than some guys, but I think the biggest important is um, is making it look like your fastball. I mean, um, you know, with your arm speed. I would say keeping that arm speed the same as your fastball. Uh, arm speed is the best way to disguise the pitch coming in and uh you know try to get them out on in front of it and then also i would say just confidence in throwing it i mean it's a some people think oh you know it's a it's a slower pitch it's giving them a better chance to hit it and it's just hey no you gotta you gotta have confidence and trust that with your arm speed and your disguise on that pitch that it's going to be enough to fool them so yeah gotta have confidence the last one and maybe this is unfair but do you remember one like that was a memorable changeup that I threw to a memorable hitter at a memorable time. Uh, I mean, I think about my first strikeout in the league was uh, the first batter I faced was Alex Gordon, and yep, dropped the changeup, uh, saved it for the save the changeup for the two strike pitch, and darted away from him just like it had been yeah. my whole uh, my whole life, and you know it was. Uh, yeah, that one definitely is uh, is a memorable one, that first punch out in the big league. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all.